Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, episode coming a day later than it usually does because of the the Monday game, time schedules and everything. Probably should have mentioned that on the last episode that that was the plan. But, you know, you know me at this point. I'm a mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. I have a very one track mind, but what a great way (laughs) to segue in that mistakes happen, Christian, because it has been an eventful couple of games for the Colorado Avalanche, you know, and after this game against the Blues, I was kind of annoyed that we wouldn't be able to talk about it just in its full context. But now that this game against the Kraken has happened and they were able to bounce back, I feel like it tells more of a complete story because that game against the Blues was an embarrassment. That is, for my money, the worst game I've ever seen this team play. Yeah, I mean, even Bednar said that was the worst he's ever seen the group play. Like That, that Blues game was fun for the first 10 minutes of the first period where the abs actually cared and tried. Uh, Since then, like since that point, they did not give a shit. No, it was absolutely the worst game I've seen them play. For 10 minutes, it was fine. The first goal of the game goes in just off of a a bad lucky bounce or whatever, basically. But the the abs, they, they just give up a ton of opening goals recently. Didn't get better in the Kraken game either. But Jordan Bennington, he kept the Blues in it for the first period. And then you get to the end of that period and the, the rails just, everything is falling apart at dude, that point. Dude, the thing about Jordan Bennington in that game that annoyed me the most, but it, he wasn't making like all these, like he was making good saves, but the Avs were also just having the worst luck. Like that move by Ross Colton, that should have been a goal, man. Like who knows what happens if that goal goes in. Right. But that's also the thing with this team for the last little while is that things just spiral out of control for the last little while. You get that chance from Ross Colton. He just can't put it into the, the wide open net. And you're just you're just trying to get out of that period. One nothing. You know, you give up an unlucky goal in the first 90 seconds of the game. You know, you shake it off, whatever. And then you get out of the period. It's three nothing. It was crazy, dude. It It, it snowballed so fast and was the second goal shorthanded goal 
Am I remembering that right? Or the shorthand? No, the shorthand goals happened in the second period. But like that game, just all of a sudden took a turn in the worst way possible. You have Braden Shin scoring the first two. Tory Krug scores with two seconds left in the period, and you're down three nothing in a period that I thought the Avs were actually the better team in the first period. Yeah, I totally agree. Outside of the goals, which is a crazy thing to say, I thought the abs were better, but they just make mental mistakes on those last two goals. They end up in the back of their net and completely unable to recover. And by the time you get to the end of this game, you've given up two hat tricks to to Braden Shen and Pavel Bushnevich. You've given up two shorthanded goals. Your goalies have been getting absolutely shelled and... I've never seen Jared Bednar that upset ever. Never. I mean, never. he ripped this team, questioning their effort, called it pathetic. He's usually pretty reserved to the media about his team, but th- there was no hiding from it, just how unexplainably bad this team was. Dude, they quit. They they quit. stopped playing in that third period. They just stopped playing in that third period. The second period wasn't much better, but that third period – was I imagine it was equivalent to a beer league team going out there and playing the St. Louis blues. That's how porous the abs defense was in that third period. And and that's the thing about this game and why I do not hesitate in calling this the worst game I've ever seen them play. When they lost 10, one to to Montreal back in the, the 49 point season and whatever, that was a bad team. And the Habs were at least pretty good at that time, you know, not an unreasonable thing to expect a team that bad is going to get blown out that badly at least once in that season. The Avs are a good team right now. For my money, one of the best teams in the NHL. The Blues are not. The Blues are, I think, the most generous I can be with them is say that they are mediocre. They have a fighting chance at making the playoffs. If, if they were in the East, they wouldn't be a playoff team, but the West yeah. is so bad that they have a chance. Yeah, they have a chance. I'd give them just as much of a chance as most teams in the West to maybe sneak into a wild card if they get a couple extra points to go their way and some other teams in front of them just continue to not do well. There is not a single reason in hell that that team should be beating you 8-2. to two. No, You know what? There, there's going to be bad games that happen against teams that aren't the best teams in the NHL. You're going to lose those games. You know, sometimes... They're up big on you for them to have completely folded in the third period entirely. There's no other way to describe it. They folded, they quit. They completely left Georgiev and Prozvatov out to dry in this game and were getting run out of the building. And it was constant the entire way. They gave up two goals in the first three minutes of the third period. And then you're getting down to it. And the blues scored two more within the last five minutes of that game. And you know what the worst part is? They wasted a Jack Johnson goal. I know. I was waiting for you to get to that because that was the only redeeming quality from this game is Jack Johnson scored a goal in the most Jack Johnson way ever. Uh, Bennington had looked unbeatable all night, and then you finally get a Jack Johnson slap shot from the blue line that just has eyes for the back of the net. It's like the, the most meaningless goal of all time. You cut it to 8-2 to two with 28 seconds left. It's a Jack Johnson goal assisted by Jonathan Drouin, his second point of the entire season just – Hey, that was a prelude for the Seattle game. Yeah, and just a, a completely wasted effort from those two. And getting back to the recording of this episode, I am actually glad that we got to have the Kraken game before we had this conversation because I don't know how we would have been able to do this. We just had the you need to be better, this kind of result is inexcusable 
after they got blown out by Vegas. And that was the main concern coming out of this game is now this has become the fourth blowout this team has suffered in a month of the season and really cutting it back to two to three weeks, really the fourth blowout this team has suffered like Pittsburgh. Okay. It's the first one, bad loss, Buffalo, not really good in any stretch of the imagination for anyone. Vegas is at least good. And they were on their game and the abs did not show up for that game on the road at home against the blues. This is the worst one. The one against the blues is the worst one. This feels like, and it's very early in the season to be saying this, this felt like it did after Chicago last year where the abs are on that downturn. They're playing that horrid Blackhawks team and they can't even find a way to go win that game. They're making the Blackhawks look like a playoff team. We're sitting here in January wondering what this team even is at that point. And yeah, you know, it's pretty early in the season, but that's a low point. I really hope for this team's sake, we are not getting back to that point ever for the rest of this year. I I hope so too, dude, because I don't know if I can do any more of these games where they just get their asses kicked. Like, it's just not... It's just not the abs that we've become used to. And yeah, we're a spoiled fan base. We are. We're spoiled. It, it, the, these past five years have been some of the best hockey you can ever watch. But for what has been happening in this first two months of the season, it's been a lot of up. Like, I wouldn't even say the ups have been that up. It's been the downs have been downed like at the bottom of the roller coaster. It's been so bad that the ups don't really seem that great. So hopefully they can just find a, a solid level for a while and just – Stay in games. That That's really all I can hope for. I mean, because that, that really does just come down to expectations is the Avs have actually won their games and the games they've won. They won them generally by a lot. this right. year. They generally put those games away, especially with strong third periods. And their losses have been the same thing. But when your expectations for this team are so high, you just expect to beat teams like that. You never expect to to constantly be on the other end of it. And you get out of this blues game after such a horrible performance, forcing your coach to to go out there and rip you apart to the media in the post-game press conference. The question then turns to what are you going to do about it? Because I'd love to keep talking about this blues game, but it does kind of lose its luster because the game against Seattle two days later, once you got past the first period, is probably as good of a get-right game as you could have hoped for. It was everything we thought that Blues game was going to be after after the Kraken game the last week. And before I move on, I, I loved what Logan O'Connor said in his presser after the game too. Kale McCarr is very uh, – like Kale McCarr did media availability. He's been doing it a lot. He's just so mellow that you never really see Kale get upset when it comes to talking to the media. But when Logan O'Connor got there, he goes, yeah, I'm pissed off. We We're sucking right now. And we need to be better. And I'm paraphrasing that. I'm sure I'm butchering what Logan kind of actually said. But to see that emotion where he was genuinely upset, and I'm not blaming Kale McCarr because that's just not Kale McCarr's personality is to go up in front of the media and say, we suck. But to have Logan O'Connor do that, I, I thought that was good to hear at least. At least those words were being said in the locker room. And it's set up for a beauty against the Kraken last night. But even before we get to that, you, you have Bednar talking about how there's going to be a really good practice the next day. Turns out it had to be an optional practice because of how many injuries the abs had 
And right. that was just another thing to pile on to that game against the Blues is now we're injured. Right. And then even more with that Blues game, you look, we've talked a lot about special teams so far this season. Now the penalty kill has been fantastic. Power plays not been. Power play has been ass. Yeah, power play has not been very good at all. And both were horrid in this game against the Blues. They go, was it negative two? against the Blues on the power play, give up two shorthanded goals, and then the penalty kill going up against the worst power play in the NHL, scoring at a 2% on the entire season. They end up giving up about, what did it end up being? Two power play goals to that team on four opportunities, pretty much on back-to-back power plays in the third period to that power play. I mean, the, it really does not get lower than that game. When you really break everything down, nothing went right in that game outside of the first 10 minutes where you maybe had a couple of scoring chances, I guess. Everything else was bad. And Georgiev was not to blame, but not blameless in this game because of the fact like, yeah, they're giving up scoring chances, but you're an NHL goalie. We want you to stop a couple of them. Yeah. You know, at a certain point when you're letting up goals, even if they're not served to you on a silver platter to save, then the game gets away from you at a certain point. And then they take him out. They put Prozvitov in and they're still giving up these breakaways. And it's just the <laughs> poor, the poor kid is just left out to dry. He made a couple big saves though. He did. He had to, I mean, Georgiev made saves as well in this game, yeah. but he still finished with a, a 78% save percentage in this rough. game. Like it's tough for him because he did not play that bad, but he did not play well either. And it certainly wasn't very good for his confidence. Just nothing went right in this nothing. game. And it was not bad luck. It was not Bennington stonewalling them or the Blues just having a good night. They genuinely played like trash. They played like they didn't care. They played like they lacked discipline. And I'm glad afterwards that Bednar echoed our sentiment. Because if, if he went up there after the game, was like, this is just part, part for the course on the season. You know, you're going to go through these ups and downs. And, uh, you know, you just got to find a way to deal with it and uh, bounce back. And if we got those locker room quotes too, everybody's just like, yeah, we just got to find a way to move on. I'm glad they were pissed. I'm glad that they looked at this and went, this is fucking pathetic and we need to do better. And they did. They did do better. They, they they did a lot better uh, in this cracking game. I, I mean, we've already we, we were talking about before we recorded started recording. We're not going to have this whole spiel about how bad they are because we we had that conversation like less than two weeks ago with right. with Vegas. Yeah. And maybe uh, this is a galaxy brain idea. Maybe the abs are just bad on Saturdays. If you think about it, the Saturday game so far this year, I think we're being outscored like fifteen to two. It's not good. It's not good. It's not. Maybe the weekend, the Avs just need to avoid playing on the weekends because that Sunday was the Sabres game, right? Yes. So, yeah, maybe we just need to avoid playing on the weekends because, holy shit, the Avs suck on the weekends. And what were those? Were those early season games, right? Them on Saturday? I mean, we had the Sharks game on a Saturday. No, yeah, one. but they almost, they almost lost that one. Yeah, that's what I mean. And then the, the Hurricanes game, which was a pretty wild game that they won. So, I mean, they haven't lost all of the games, but I wouldn't say any of them have been particularly good. Right. Right. They, they've been, I mean, that Sharks one, if it wasn't for Blackwood standing on his head, that, that game probably could have been the Avs one by a lot more. Yeah. But yeah, it, it wasn't good. I am glad that 
we don't have to talk about it anymore after hopefully what we saw last night against the Kraken is what we see from this team going forward. Right. Because it's like I said, I don't know how we would have done this episode after the Blues game. Like we genuinely might just be ending it here if we have the Kraken game because we had the spiel already. We already did this against Vegas. And then you're going into a matchup against Seattle, first of all. I am so glad we never played this team again for the rest of the season. I am so sick of them. I'm so done with this team. This is the second straight episode we are talking about the Kraken. We're finally done with this season series. And the Avs, they come out of the gates in this game. Not great. Pretty bad out of the gate in this game. It looks like a lot carried over from that Blues game. They're making mistakes. The Kraken are, they're on them early. And again, the Kraken for the 10th straight game against the Avs score the first goal of the game. You can't make it up, dude. Like is, I loved, you tweeted it. I think AJ tweeted it. I want to say like Rudo maybe tweeted it too. But like everyone's like, there's no way they score again first, I right? Need, I need to, someone somewhere, Sportsnet stats, someone who can find it needs to find how many times in a row I need to find the record for how many times in a row a team has scored the first goal against the same team. Cause we, that's gotta be close. Ten it to be. It's gotta be right there. It's gotta be. It's it's bad, dude. And this, I, I thought the Kraken deserved to be up uh, at, at this point in the game. Cause the asset what like two shots at the point, two yep. shots at the time on goal. Like it, it was, it was, but you didn't even have to face Grubauer, who just miraculously turns into the Vesna type goal he was with the Avs whenever he plays the Avs. You got to go against Joey Decord, and in the first twelve minutes of the game, you muster up four shots. Like, yeah. what are we doing here, guys? He, he could have put up a hammock in his net, kicked his yeah. feet up. He had nothing to do the whole time. Nothing to do, and so the Avs go down one nothing. Brandon Tanev, I honestly like, I would kill to have him on the Avs. I think he is such a good player. He's a he's a fun little guy to have on your yeah. team. I mean, it's. Like, First game back, he's bringing some energy. Yeah, like he—he's just—he—he he would fit in so well. Could you imagine a line of him, Wood, and Colton? Nasty. Yeah, that'd be a gross line. Regardless, he gets the first one. I didn't love Devon Taves' coverage on this play. I thought he got lost. I—I—I I, I, I hold nothing against Georgiev on this one. No. Rebound control could be a little bit better, but Devon Taves loses Brandon Tanev right there. Like he—he's got to locate the puck and find his guy, and that, that's the easiest goal Tanev will probably ever score in his life. Yeah, he, he loses his guy and loses where the puck is. It's a, a cardinal sin as a defenseman to lose both of those things. But the Avs and their defensive core coming into this game, the hits didn't stop after the Blues game. You mentioned it earlier and with the injuries before I sidetracked you. Sorry about that. But no, you're good. with the optional practice, turns out a couple of guys were dinged up. Two of them not playing in this game, Sam Gerrard and Josh Manson, which opens the door for Caleb Jones and Sam Malinsky to play in this game, their first games as a member of the Avalanche, Sam Malinsky's NHL debut. And you kind of don't really know what you're going to get out of these guys, especially since Malinsky was a little bit of a roller coaster in the preseason, and we've never seen Caleb Jones in an average jersey before. But just even covering those two for a quick second, I thought they were brilliant. I And Caleb Jones, that's a full-timer. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be. I like the way both of them played. Uh, Malinsky reminds me a little bit of a younger version of, I don't even know how to describe him. Like he's big. I, won't, I don't want to say he's Josh Manson because I don't know if he has that physical side of him, but he's just a younger version of Josh Manson. 
And then Caleb Jones is a watered down Sam Gerrard. But I, I thought both were really good in this game. Caleb Jones, I agree. Like, I love Jack Johnson, man, but I think I'd rather have Caleb Jones on that third pair right now. There's really no reason after that game to not at least be carrying Caleb Jones. Right. And at least rotating him in because he was fantastic. And Bednar said as much as well. Well, dude, we're at this point. Like, the way the lineup shook out last night, at this point, just go 11 forward, 7D. Like, Curtis McDermott played, what, five minutes last night? He had a fight. He played two. He played two minutes. He had a fight, which he kicked the shit out of Jamie Alexiak. Didn't help the abs at all. But at this point, just go 11 and 7. I would rather have that than suiting up Curtis McDermott to play two minutes of ice time. Yeah, and and you, and you know it's bad when you're finally, like, seeing well, the light. I, I just – I think Curtis did have a couple chances at the end of the third period. He did. He, he does bring that physical element. But at a point, that's Curtis's first fight of the year. Not many guys are going to fight him unless they're Jamie Alexiak. Because Jamie Alexiak's what, 6'8"? Yeah, He's Jamie, a massive – Jamie Alexiak is one of the few players in the league that's actually bigger than Curtis right. McDermott. I've also never seen Jamie Alexiak win a fight. I don't, me I don't He's not really much see fighter. this guy get chopped down like a tree. Like he, yeah. he got KO'd by Tom Wilson. He's got, and in this game, he got beat up by Curtis McDermott. Alexiak, who did lay the contact on Arturi Lekkinen, Lekkinen now on LTIR. We Did they officially move him to LTIR? I, be, I believe I saw that, that he's on oh, LTIR. I hadn't seen that yet. At the very least, the timeline as it stands right now is weak. Yes, he is on LTIR right now. Interesting. We've got more to talk about on LTIR. Yeah. Still, but... McDermott with the fight, you think it's going to bring some energy. The Kraken score eventually on that too. And you're getting through the rest of the, the first period here. They're still not generating much, but they get a power play late <sighs> in the first period. And I, honestly, even before we get to that, I think my, my favorite part of the first period was before anything even happened. The Avs give up a three-on-one and a fifth yeah. welcome Caleb Jones to the lineup. And he he defends it really well, and he prevents it from being a disaster. But you get through the rest of this first period. The Avs, they have a power play. Kale McCarr just flubs this pass. Yeah. Like there, there's no two ways around it. He just completely whiffs on this pass, and it goes right to, to Wenberg, I believe it was. Yep. Got the official breakaway. And they just kind of let him bat away at Georgiev. Yeah, my, my biggest complaint with that one is how is no one else getting back? Because Wimberg could have set up a tent in front of the net and just like sat on a chair and whacked at the puck until it, because there was no one around him. Georgiev actually game. makes two great saves on yeah, this he probably He probably stops that puck from going in the net three times. My problem yeah. with it is like, okay, you're not going to catch him or anything like that. The shot's going to get through. Someone clean him out. He's literally sitting there just poking away at your goal. Even if it's too late, show me some like yeah. follow through on the play. Like, especially Kale, clean that guy out of the right. back there. Move him. Like, don't just, you know, weakly poke at the puck after the fact and hang your head. Like, I wanted to see him or McKinnon just, you don't have to lay him out into the boards and snap his neck cracking style, but just at least clean him out of that area. And the abs are down two to nothing. And after another bad play on the power play and giving up another shorthanded goal, which would be leading the league with five shorthanded goals against at this point, you feel it. You feel it again. This is going to be another game that gets out of control and it's against the Kraken. And this is going to become a three game skid. Then they challenge it. I'm going to be honest. I thought it was pretty weak goaltender interference. I, I still hate that rule. Like I, I, I do. I know it benefits the abs, but 
in the grand scheme of things, is is when Tanev pushes his is that stopping Georgiev from making the five saves that would have been required to stop that puck from going in? In my opinion, no. Uh, it was a good challenge by Bednar and crew because they, by definition, that is goaltender interference. I still think it's one of the lamest rules. Like the review process in the NHL is the worst thing ever just because it's so ticky tacky. You know what I mean? And they review the wrong stuff. It benefits the abs in this situation. But if I'm a Kraken fan, you can have a little bit of a gripe with that because in the grand scheme of things, the one that actually affects Georgiev making the save, he actually saved that one. And then it was right. the second and third try when the contact had happened like five seconds before that, that he couldn't make the save. Right. I feel like I'm on the same page with that. Just Tanev was in the blue crease and he did make contact. So by the way they've been calling goalie interference, that is actually shockingly within the standard that they set. Common sense, however, is that goalie interference. I think you can make the argument there, but in the, incredibly undefined rule that is goalie interference i feel like he's in the crease and he's making contact with the goalie and moving his pads should be a pretty strong baseline to maybe have the goal call back is it pretty weak i the thing is i don't think they could have not called it back just based on what they saw but i understand being upset about it yeah no i if you're a kraken fan you have every right to be like that. That's just one of those ones. It benefited the abs. Do I agree with it? No, not necessarily. Will that same situation probably happen to the abs later on the season? Yeah, because yeah. the NHL, this shit happens almost every single time. Like well, it, as, as long as that's the standard, like that, that's fine. As long as that just keeps getting called that way and you set that as the standard, if you're in the crease and you are making contact with the goalie, whether or not it is like directly actually impacting the save or not if that's goalie interference fucking awesome that'd be the first time we've ever gotten clarification on this rule but even still the kraken are not happy about it the Az are very happy about it because that stops this game from absolutely spiraling out of control i 100 percent believe that if that goal counted the abs lose this game yeah and i think they lose big like yeah. it, it would just be a thing with this team right now like they, they've got some mental things that they've got to work out it's not a skill thing. It's not a coach thing. It's just guys are in their own heads and they're giving up after yeah. things get a little bad right now. And if that goal goes in, especially the manner that it was shorthanded flub pass by kale, it's two, nothing you're in Seattle playing the Kraken again, a team that you just blew a game to less than a week ago, things would have spiraled out of control. And I said it on Twitter at the time is that there's gotta be a turning point for everything that needs to be it. That needs to be your turning point for the rest of this game and for the rest of this stretch, honestly. Just something goes your way, you get a break, and you need to turn that into positive momentum. I was hoping they would score on that power play after that. They didn't. They didn't. But you escaped that first period where you were severely outplayed for probably the first 15 minutes of it, and it's only one nothing, and you're one goal away. And then from... The second period on, the abs kind of kicked the shit out of the Kraken. They kind of did. They kind of did, especially once you got to that second period. At that point, it's been almost 11 periods without a goal for this team on the road, at very least. The last one being the empty netter against the Islanders from Ross Colton, I believe. But they eventually do get one to go late in the second period after a little bit of trying. You know, and I love how this goal 
came about because it wasn't this team trying too hard or overthinking things like the way they kind of have been over the last little bit. It was just a, a kind of a greasy goal in front. It's a shot from Taze from the point that Decord can't handle. McKinnon gets the first try at the rebound and Rantanen finally able to put that puck into an open cage. And you could almost physically see the, that evil spirit being exercised from themselves that went the Rantanen celebration and everyone getting around. You could tell just they just got the one and they finally just felt a little better. You said it earlier in the episode. They were just trying. They, they're fighting something mentally. Like the talents there, the opportunities have been there, but it's just been so long since you've seen a goal go in on the road that you just needed this one, and they got this one, and then the floodgates fucking opened in this game. Yeah, and you get out of that. You're tied one-one. You played decently in the second period. I think so far. I mean, nothing to really complain about. Significantly better than most of the first period, and they did get. Some pretty good opportunities, Rob. There was that one point where they had at least 90 seconds of zone time before this where they just couldn't get anything to go. And there was a couple one. Was it Colton before it who had a nice chance on a wraparound that just he couldn't? Yeah, he did. He had, he had another yeah. wraparound. Maybe Ross Colton should stay away from the wrap. Stay away from the wraparound chances. Yeah, maybe those ones just aren't really his thing. But maybe the ones that are his thing is the power play goal that he scored two minutes later on a rebound in front. So... On two straight goals, you break your your road scoring drought, and then the power play finally gets on the board, and it's not even your top power play. It's your second power play cleaning up. Yeah, it's your second power play cleaning up. And I always I think it's weird to judge a second power play unit for the Av because the top unit gets a minute 35 on there, so it's really hard for those guys to even set anything up. But it is good to see the second power play unit get a goal. Uh, Ross Colton, man, you talked about it in the preseason he is just going to become a fan favorite so fast he is he plays with so much passion and energy and if you go back to that blues game that third line of colton wood and o'connor were the only ones seemingly trying after the first period that line just brings so much energy and for ross colton to get going that's his fourth goal of the year he's he's on pace for 20 goals this year yeah i i think he's unquestionably going to get that especially with getting good power play time and everything and he's getting into the right areas to score in a lot of his three goals with a goalie in net this season that because you know he didn't shoot the first one it just went off of him last the first one before that against the blues where is he's just beating his guy on the outside beating bennington with a clean shot and then the next one after that he's cleaning up a beautiful rebound off of a miles wood shot right place right time then he's cleaning this one up on the power play too it's just he's getting to the right areas and getting rewarded for hard work. Said so even after that that second Kraken game where he had that that bad mistake, that's why I still said I I think he's been my favorite guy so far because he's doing a lot of the right things and I don't want to let one mistake completely change my opinion of him because then he has games like this where he could have had more than one. And even to go back to the Blues game, he could have had a goal that completely changed the tide. Did you see that uh, tweet that Peter put out after the game? No one loves scoring more than Ross Colton. Every time he scores a goal, it looks like he scored the Stanley Cup game winner. He is just so electric. He's got so much energy. He brings energy every time he's on the ice, whether it's just with the hits or the way he's playing. And when he finally gets one to go in, it's like you said, he he acts like it's his first goal he's ever scored in his life. No one loves scoring more than Ross Colton. No one does. And he deserved that when they gave the Avs a 2-1 lead, that, that would be the game-winning goal. 
And if we're being quite honest, that third period that comes up from the abs, probably the best period of hockey they've played all year. Yep. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you get these two goals and then for the rest of the game, I believe the abs outshot them 22 to two. Yeah. The Kraken had one shot in the third period, right? I don't even remember which one that was because for most of it, it was zero. I was honestly really hoping they would pitch the third period shutout. That would have been cool. I remember I was at a game. They played the Coyotes. I think it was like six, seven years ago. It was, it, it was, uh, they shut them out for like the first 30 minutes of the game. And I was like, this is cool. Hockey's a lot more fun when you they just don't get shots on goal, the opposing team. It's a lot more fun that way. Yeah, that third period. The thing about this team, like they, they've got their flaws. When they do get leads, they keep them. They've yes. been very good at holding on to their leads this season. And their, their third periods have been unimpeachable. They've been great at holding on, not even just holding on and like turtling and holding on to the leads. They extend them. They play harder. They find ways to create distance. And this third period, really, like you talk about a get right period, a lot of things went right in this third period. You have Kale McCarr still getting booed by the Kraken. Like, it's just, I got it at first. You know, it's like a ha-ha fun gimmick. Sent two of our players to the hospital. Like, yeah, no, we've talked about this before. I feel like my thing with it is fans can boo whoever they want. I, I think it's, I mean, we have fans still boo Matt Duchesne, and it's just like, dude, it's been seven years. Uh, I get it. I'm not gonna get mad at people for booing uh, Kale McCarr. Like, yeah, he did hurt a player, he served his time. It's just one of those things like keep booing him if it makes him play better. Cause you can argue though his two best games this year have been in Seattle right. <laughs> when he's getting booed. Yeah, so go yeah. for it. I, I, I have no whip it. Like it doesn't bug me one bit. It, it, it just comes off as a little silly at a certain point where it's Cogliano had his neck broken in the playoff series and then also got hit behind in the last game. These two teams played and Arturi Lekkinen, we don't really know if he's coming back anytime soon, like not saying it's a dirty play or anything, but like, it just so happens to be the Kraken again that are causing grievous injuries to our players. Like I'm, I'm sorry. Kale McCarr didn't hear the whistle one time. Like, I don't know. It, it comes off as silly at a certain point, but you probably should have booed a little louder than that. Yeah. Uh, he absolutely rips one on this power play and Caleb Jones and Thomas Tatar, two assists in this game, easily his best game of the season. Easily best like. game. Yeah. Looks what like, were your thoughts? I want to ask you this because you're a TV production guy. Were you watching the abs broadcast? Yes. What are your thoughts on that one? Because on this Kale McCarr goal, they had that one, they had the camera angle where they're behind the net. I don't like that camera view. I just don't. I, I think it's I, I, it, it's just not the way I want to watch hockey when I'm watching on TV. Yeah, it's it's not for me generally, especially like on the the replays and everything. It's just, it doesn't do anything. Right. I can't see. Like, I can't see how the play's developing. You can't see how what, like, you can see how the play's developing, but when it gets outside of the hash marks, you can't see what players are there. So you look and it's like, oh, they're passing no one. Oh, wait, there's someone off camera. Like, I want to see the whole screen. Right. I, I don't, I personally don't like it. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I want to make sure I wasn't the only one because you are a TV production guy. I was like, am I just going crazy? But the, the play by this line was fantastic and Kale McCarr and Caleb Jones actually worked pretty well as a duo out there. I kind of liked how Bednar was just throwing Malinsky with Taves, Caleb Jones with Kale McCarr and Jack Johnson was getting to play with whoever Bo Byram was kind of going all over the place too. I appreciated that. But like you said with Thomas Tatar, man, this was his best game he's played as a member of the abs and hopefully he can build on it. I didn't even realize he has six assists. 
Like he he all of a sudden has six assists. Yeah, <laughs> so it was just kind of racked up like instantly. Yeah, like we'll take it. He just needs to score a goal, and then I think he's gonna get going. But a great shot by Kale McCarr beats Decord and the abs are up three one. And I, I don't know about you, once they scored that goal, it's like this game's over. Yeah. You you especially it's Kale scoring early in the third, the abs are dominating. You knew that that was a dagger at that point. And with how the abs have played in third periods, there's not a lot of fear that they're just gonna go and let up off the gas. It's just they let they let games get out of hand. They don't let them slip away. Right. Right. So you go up 3-1, and then probably the feel-good story of the game. It's just funny to talk about a feel-good when it's the player actually hasn't been playing that bad, but to see him get rewarded. I forget who tweeted it out. It may have been Raj or Evan, but Jonathan Duran scores his first goal of the year. Uh, beautiful pass by Nathan McKinnon. And I, it might have been Evan. He's like – Duran's like 60% on the expected goals for like, he's one of the highest for the abs. So maybe this is what gets him going, but it was cool to see him score a goal. It was cool. And McKinnon setting him up with the primary assists like that. That's what people envision this entire year was going to be. Yeah. That's what you've been waiting for all year is either McKinnon set up by Duran or vice versa. You finally saw vice versa in this game. And there, there was a couple moments in this game before where you thought Duran should probably be shooting that puck a little bit, but he's, He's probably in his head a little bit. He has no goals on the season. He's had no luck. And then he finally just gets this one to go in and just you talk about a perfect get right game. This is probably the perfect example of you're finally just getting something to go your way a little bit. And I want to see what Duran can do with it because I don't think he's been that bad. There I don't are, think so either, man. Like, like, there are parts of his game that do need to be better. I think we accepted that when we signed him. Right. But I think for the role we signed Duran for – I don't think he's been that bad. No. He's just been pretty unlucky for the most part. And now that he's able to get one to go in, I want to see what he can do with a little bit of swagger in his step. That is going to be interesting to see because he he needed this one bad. And like you said, I offensively, I think he's bringing a lot to the table. He, he's He's making smart offensive plays. I just want the dude to shoot the puck more. Yeah, that's all I want. And that's not his game. And maybe that's what we'll just have to get used to. He's not a shoot first guy. Never I'm honestly shocked he didn't try and pass this puck back to McKinnon went on this two on one. Like I'm shocked he didn't. He actually shot the puck and it went in. But I there's been a lot of bad performances from abs players in these first 13 games. Duran hasn't been noticeably bad, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been great. I wouldn't right. say there's really any game where you go, oh, Jonathan Drone is one of the best players on the ice. And there have been games where he was not good, right. had bad turnovers, had bad defensive reads, missed passes or anything. But a lot of those tended to be in games where guys were kind of shit anyway. Correct. Thing, like a couple of those games against Pittsburgh and Buffalo, honestly, he was one of the better guys on the yes. ice for some of them. But it's just, it's good to see him get on the board more than anything because – I'm not expecting him to turn around and start scoring at a 60 goal pace, but just if he gets 10, I'll be happy. If he gets 10 goals, I mean, the guy scored two last season in 58 games. The guy hasn't scored 10 goals since 2019 when he had 18. He's this is a guy who has not scored a lot recently. If he can get 10, 12, 15 goals, I'll stretch that even out there. You're happy with that, especially if he's dishing out the puck. Just I want to see more confidence in the way he plays because. He is skilled. There is talent. This is an NHL player. I just, if he makes those passes with a little more confidence, has enough confidence in himself that if he has an open net to go and shoot it, I want to see what that can do for him. 
I do too. I do too. And hopefully this is gets the ball rolling. But the depth guys that we've been wanting to score are all of a sudden starting to score. I mean, you have Colton with four now. Miles Wood, I think he hasn't scored, but he's been great, man. He's done exactly what I thought he was going to do when he came in. And Duran's getting going. Tatar's racking up the assists. He just needs to get a goal and he'll get going. But you're starting to see the depth guys show up a little bit more. I think you're starting to see a lot of this come together. I mean, even with Miles Wood, like, yeah, one of them's an empty netter and the other's a, a, a very weird shorthanded goal, but you're still getting stuff from him. Like, I, I think you've nailed it. Miles Wood's doing what you're paying him to do. Right. There's very few times you look at Miles Wood and go, what are you doing? Honestly, <laughs> he's honestly even better than I thought he would be because I thought there'd be a lot more recklessness, a lot more penalties. He looks at least like he has a direction which is a positive. He looks like a very good third line forward. Yeah, he he looks like he is just going to be stapled to that third line for his entire tenure, and we are never going to complain about it. I have zero I'm cool with that. If, if this is the Miles Wood I'm getting, he's been phenomenal for yeah. so far. And that third line of Colton, Wood, and O'Connor has been the Avs' best line. Yeah, consistently night over night, that's been a line you can throw out there and just kind of set it and forget it yeah. for the most part. And even Ryan Johansson, I mean, I – I have my concerns about his foot speed. I think we all do, but there are times where he has been able to help out. I'd like to see a little more on the power play as of late, but he's still been able to do enough in my opinion to get by. Yeah. He's doing enough to get by. I, there were moments. Was it in this cracking game where Colton was playing with McKinnon and Ranton? Am I remembering that right? I kind of like that. That's kind of sick. Like I, don't, that I don't mind it. I don't mind it in a pinch, especially without, Lekkinen, I think that could be a, a thing that works because that's what they like uh, with McKinnon, just a guy who's going to be a dog and go get the puck. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. I saw that a couple times. I was like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> this is, I like this. But yeah, the abs go up 4 1 after Drew Ann scores. And then Vince Dunn goes unhinged. Very funny. Um, that, what was your tweet? He's he's done for the night. Is that what more you like, tweeted? More like Vince Dunn for the night. Yeah, there you go. Nice dad joke. I appreciated it. That little temper tantrum. I mean, the Kraken are low-key one of those teams where it's like they can't enforce their way and they just kind of start throwing fits on the ice. I mean, an underrated kind of baby team a little bit. Underrated. Very underrated. And, uh, yeah, did you see our guys over at the Kraken pod getting kind of roasted by the Avs reporters? (laughs) They had some rough tweets. tweets. I, I, I really enjoyed the show we did with them before the playoff series. I had a great time. I... Couple of those, I, I think they were honestly just trying to be trolls. No, they were, but I think they have a fundamental misunderstanding of what trolling is. When you tweet out a video of Nathan McKinnon getting slew foot and saying, and he's whining to the ref, like celebrating it, you're just kind of making yourself look dumb and going, haha, got you. Like, that yeah, that, that was a rough one. And then to see them getting dunked on by all these guys, it's like, oh man, <laughs> this is a little rough. Like, yeah. I actually like those guys. It's, it's like, yeah, abs fans are so easy to troll. It's like, is that really trolling, dog? Like, it's, yeah, I don't know. They're good guys. We promise if you listen to the episode, they are good guys. Um, but yeah, that was kind of rough. How the ref missed that penalty was shocking. He's literally staring right He's at standing him. right there, and he's like, he he kicked his leg. Right. Like, you know, right. what are we doing here? And it's not like it was like a savvy veteran. Wasn't it the rookie who did it? I think so. Yeah, he hasn't even scored yeah. yet. I forget yeah. it. I don't even I don't even know his name. I don't, and I'm not gonna care enough to look it up. Yeah, they they threw a temper tantrum. The abs get a power play, then Duran takes a penalty because he can't have two good things happen to him at once. 
Then I forget who high sticks who, but the abs get another power play and Val tips one in front, makes it 5-1 and just really the abs end up getting two power play goals. It's a perfect night for the PK. Alexander Georgiev didn't have to do much after the first period, but I thought he made a couple massive saves in the first period. Hopefully this can get him going back on the right track. But your tweet put it perfectly last night. It was the bounce back of all bounce backs for the abs in this game. Everything that needed to go right went right for you in this game. There were very few more things that you could want in this game, maybe outside of nitpicking a few things. I mean, most importantly, you had Georgiev, who had a great night. And I'm going to talk about more about him in a second, but I want to cover the rest of it. You get back on the board on the road. You get a couple of those goals to end up in the net. Finally break that slump, get that off of your back and everything like that. Get finally Jonathan Drouin on the board. Thomas Tatar, big night with two assists and like involved on those plays, not just like passive secondary assists. Kale McCarr hadn't scored a goal in seven games at that point. I mean, which you don't really consider all that much for a defenseman, but good to see him get on the board. And I thought he almost had that last goal too, before I saw the replay that Val tipped it. He almost had two. And then, and even then Val scoring again, where he's kind of been a little dry for the most part of the season. He's got both of his against the Kraken so far, at least with the goalie and net, and they've been important goals. I thought Val was okay in this game. The, the goal definitely covers up a little bit of the, some of the problems that he had, but as long as he's getting on the board and can continue to to put up some numbers and some confidence, there are very few things you could have wanted more from in this game. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. We don't know, but hopefully no more injuries going into Wednesday's game against the Ducks. Uh, we kind of skipped over to when Malinsky and Caleb Jones joining the team. The Avs did sign Joel Kibiranta to a one-year, two-way deal. He came in, and I thought he fit into the fourth line perfectly. I, I, thought, he, I thought he looked good. I mean, yeah. I, I very, How many minutes did he end up playing? Kiwi Ranta ended up playing about – he played 929. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Like, that. that is – we were talking about a little before we went on air. Um, I think Kiwi Ranta fills that fourth line role better than Tufty does because I just don't know if Tufty can play the same style that Kiwi Ranta plays. I think Kiviranta is just like more accustomed to a depth role at the NHL. Right. I mean, Tufty, for as long as he's been around, just does not have a ton of NHL experience. But I think it's splitting hairs, honestly. You like what Riley Tufty has shown you at both levels so far this season. He's been solid in the NHL for the role he's playing, and he's been lights out in the AHL. And with Kiviranta, he I think he is just a very safe, comfortable fourth line option 
guys are out, you're missing a few guys, you put him in there and you know he's going to be good. And it's yeah. the kind of thing like the Avs did not have this last year. No. Be missing guys and they're making waiver claims and trades to just try to shore up the amount of depth that they were missing. You know now that if you, you're going to be missing Lekkanen for a while. Cogliano's skating again. We'll see if he's able to play against Anaheim or at least sometime later this week. But if things are going to get out of hand injury-wise and you're starting to you know see the ball rolling a little bit, I don't think it's going to be like last year, but you're starting to see guys... Yeah, starting to see guys exit the lineup and having to, you know, dip into your depth a little bit. And everyone has delivered so far. I mean, everyone, especially in this game, delivered. I I thought Kiviranta was very solid. I loved Caleb Jones. I thought Sam Malinsky had a strong debut. You like what Riley Tufty has shown you. You have options now that you can put in at the NHL level and stop things from being an absolute disaster. Are are these these guys going to come in and save you? No, but they're going to be able to compete at the NHL level, which they really did not have all that much of last year. I mean, we, you, what was one of the fourth lines we iced last year? Like it was McDermott. Wasn't one of the, like Martin Kaut at one point. Yeah. Like it was not pretty. And Logan O'Connor, maybe like it, it was bad. It was really bad. And O'Connor was playing up at that point. Yeah. Like it, there are, we talked about in the preseason, they have options. It's, I think McFarland learned from last year that if you have a guy who's not going to play, use that LTIR money, use it and get quality or not quality NHL players to play in your AHL system. You need a little bit of luck with them to clear waivers the first time, but once you get that, you're good. And we've seen the abs are playing that game of waiver rules where they are just reassigning guys after one game, like just to prevent them from getting claimed on waivers. Cause I honestly think if Caleb Jones goes through waivers again, someone will claim him. No, there's a 0% chance Caleb Jones. I mean, cause it's weird. Cause he did clear waivers in the pre-season. right first with the AHL, but yeah. I think a lot of players clear waivers in the preseason. Yeah. I mean, he's probably more in the regular season that, that. that got buried along the way. Yeah. And just on the topic of Caleb Jones, he did get reassigned to the AHL. My opinion I don't know if this is going to actually happen or not. I think he's coming right back. Like, cause he was that good in this game and should, looked very comfortable at the NHL level. Looked like he hadn't missed a beat. And I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be playing in the NHL. I mean, this is a fit we've been calling before he was even here. Yeah. He was a free agent, but like Caleb Jones, that's probably some good value that you can sign as a sixth, seventh defenseman. And to get him in very weird circumstances when the trade with the hurricanes and he's finally in the lineup and it looks just as good as you kind of hoped for. Yeah. I really hope this is a thing we stick with because I, I like the fit and I do too. I, I think it goes back to the point we were talking about earlier in the episode. If you're going to ice McDermott, just do 11 and seven. Like your, your fourth line is basically like you had Olafson and keep to play nine minutes, probably each just go 11 and seven. And then you don't have to worry. Like if Jack Johnson's having a bad game, you can just plant his ass right on the bench and you can have Caleb Jones in there as a seventh D. Yeah. Cause it like Jack Johnson has not been terrible. He hasn't like he's, he's been fine. This is what we said coming into the season. I think you can get away with it for a little while. Yeah. I think you are also setting yourself up for something, throwing a, a year older Jack Johnson out there every single game. If and now in this game against Seattle, he's playing top four minutes. Right. If you have Caleb Jones and you can rotate those two or to your idea, just rotate them during the game. Yeah. I think that ultimately sets you up to be in a much better spot defensively. 
I don't have a problem with Malinsky going down to just no. get him more games at whatever opportunity. And if the opportunity arises for him to play at the NHL, cool. If he's shown he can handle it. But with Jones, like that, that's an NHLer. That's a guy who I think is wasting his time in the American Hockey League. Agree. Uh, it, it just makes sense to me. And you don't know what's going on with Manson and Gerard. We won't find out until probably morning skate today by the time you're listening to this, if they're going to play. It sounds like both those guys were just dinged up, and it doesn't really seem like it's going to be long-term. But I agree. I, I think Caleb Jones needs to just be staying up with this team, and you just go from there. Yeah. I mean, and he looked like a like a perfect fit into the system yeah. as well. He, he You would never guess this was his first game with the team because, like, has he even practiced with them before? I don't think so, no. Right. And he just active in the offensive zone, making all the smart plays. I mean, throwing some nice hits as well. He's a good skater, too, which is massive. Then for this team, that's what you need on the back end, especially with Sam Girard out. You need someone who can replace him who's a good skater. Yeah, I I loved it. I I thought he was really good. And I would be shocked if he's not called up tomorrow. I would. I, I would be very surprised if they just send him down to the AHL to just stay there because I, I don't know what more you want to see right. from it. Like, because we don't have to keep throwing McDermott out there. Like, yeah, he had the fight and yeah, you got the, the answer for the hit on Lekkonen. It didn't do anything. He, I mean, I love Curtis. Yeah, I, love- I, I love Curtis. I just really wish he was better because yeah, it gets very hard to ice him at certain points and they don't when he they plays don't. they don't play him they play him for at most 6 minutes and he only played for two in this game yeah he had the fight but that was in the first period yeah and they yeah. were big in the third period and still did not play him much after that said yeah so i i think Caleb Jones is going to be here to stay uh before we move off this game you want to talk about Georgiev yeah with Georgiev, I really, I said it this morning, I don't want it to get lost how good he was in this game. Because you look at it, it's 18 saves on 19 shots, pretty good night, as played good defense in front of him, which is true. That was not the case early. Georgiev held this team in it early, and this could have been a game that spiraled out of control. Because of Georgiev, like he was over the last couple of games, just getting left out to dry, but also not coming up with the timely save, this is probably... 2 nothing, even with the goal taken off the board, and it's harder to come back, and then you're feeling down about yourself again, and it's still blaming the defense, and nothing is actually solved. Sometimes you just need your goalie to make some stops, and that's all I've been saying over the last couple of games. Like, yeah, things are going wrong, but when you are you have not had a goalie or you've had one game over the last eight with a goalie who produced above a 900, it was Prozbatov against the Blues. Right. And the Avs just didn't really let up much of anything. It's really hard to win. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff going wrong, but a lot of things can be they can be cured by just good goaltending. Just you get a save when you need it. It keeps you in the game. You're feeling better. You're feeling more secure. And that's what he did in this game. It's what he did the first game against the Kraken, where it could have gotten out of hand, but he kept them in it long enough. And they they paid him back with the third period. They allowed only one shot. I don't even remember what it was. They made his life incredibly easy, and that is what you wanted to see out of this team. You want to see Georgiev get some confidence, and you want to see this team have confidence in him. And then they work together, they pay each other back, everyone's happy. It is. I am so glad that this Kraken game happened because I 
couldn't do another episode where we could you imagine if we lost this game just how miserable this episode would have been this, this would probably be one of the lowest episodes yeah like it would have been that one cracking game cured me from a lot of potential bitching and moaning on this podcast so i'm very happy with it and georgiev bounces back he i forget was it the second or first period where he made that save on adam larson and then had to sprawl across crease to make the the rebound save I think it was the second period. Uh, I'm, if I'm remembering it right, it is the second period. Yeah, he made a massive save, and that's the Georg gift we saw in the first two weeks of the season. So it is, it's good to see him bounce back. I imagine he's going to play tonight against the Ducks. I yeah, imagine that would make that would make a lot of sense. I mean, he he has a good game, gets his confidence back. I really don't think you want to bench him right away. Right. Keep letting him build his confidence and keep playing through it, probably at least for the next couple games. Yeah, you I, I imagine a, you also have a two day break coming up before Dallas on Saturday. I think you'd want to at least keep him warm. Yes. Oh, shit. Is that Dallas game on Saturday? Yeah, I didn't realize that till this morning. Fuck. We play the fuck. <laughs> Why does have to be on Saturday, dude? Yeah, I, I didn't even realize this morning we play the stars on Saturday. So. Is it home or away? Away. What time? 6 p.m. Mountain time. Okay. All right. <laughs> why does it have to be on saturday dude <laughs> fuck it's tough out here sometimes i know oh yeah that'll be a fun one but yeah i imagine gurgiev plays and hopefully he can bounce back and hopefully we get some guys back from from injury hopefully cogliano at i don't know like if cogliano takes some time i don't think that's the end of the world like he hasn't been world leader so far this year he's been but, fine he's been cogliano yeah. just without the unsustainable shooting percentage from the start yes. of year so but i want people we need to understand like, yeah, Josh Manson has his flaws and Sam Gerard has been, in my opinion, very good this year. I had people in my mentions being like, Oh, thank God. Gerard's out. It's like, guys, I don't think you re- like once Sam Gerard leaves. I think a lot of people are gonna be like, Oh wow. Like he was actually pretty good. The amount of, the amount of comments I saw is like every time I watched Gerard, he turns over the pocket. Like, what are you watching? Yeah. You're looking for it. You're, You're looking, looking for him to make a for like, it to happen. In all honesty, I think Nathan McKinnon turns the puck over more than anyone in the NHL. But because he's Nathan McKinnon, no one gives a fuck. Right. Gerard has been remarkably consistent. This yeah. Like, I I don't get the narrative. Like, oh, great. Caleb Jones is here. Now we can finally get rid of this no. anchor. Like, I don't I don't get it. I still don't. You don't get rid of top four defensemen. You don't. It's a, like, it's, it's just a stigma surrounding him. It, it doesn't really matter what he does. So long as he can't grow another two inches, he sucks. It just drives me crazy, man. Like Manson, yeah, he has this more bad than good. But I there didn't, are. I didn't see any Manson stuff, honestly. I only saw Gerard. Yeah, no, but I mean, like Josh Manson to me is the one like you could actually have a have a problem with. If people want to bitch about Josh Manson, yeah, I can kind of see it. There are times where I watch Josh Manson, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? But Sam Gerard is good, and we need to keep Sam Gerard healthy. So uh, get out of here with that shit. Um, but. Anything else about this cracking game other than it was the ultimate get right game? And if <laughs> I love the fact that if they lose tomorrow to the Ducks, we'll be right back into the fuck. Yeah, we're right back. I mean, that's that's how it works. Yeah, especially when you're in kind of a stretch like this, you need to follow it up with another yeah. win. And you're going up. You're going back home to play the Ducks, a team that's been very hot to start the season. Cooled off a little bit lately. Two straight losses to the Penguins and the Flyers before they beat the Sharks recently, and a team that has given you some trouble in the past over the last couple of years have been some games where you beat them big. There have been games where they make it really close and some games where you, you've blown it. Yeah. Some games where you've blown it. Uh, looking at that game, I think Frank Vetrano had a hat trick. Yeah. At, 
At home? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than we probably want it to be. I, I imagine Gibson will get the start just because John Gibson always plays well against the Avs. So I think I think the Avs top in talent will be able to, to shine. It's just someone guard Troy Terry. Uh, just that, that, that's my big thing. Just someone guard Troy Terry and Frank Petrano, and you should win this game comfortably. I don't think they win it comfortably. I think it's 4-3 in overtime the Avs win. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Honestly. I mean, the Ducks are a good team this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. They got a little hot for a little while. Dude, you have Greg Cronin knows the Avs system. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. That's that tough. Could be, that could be a tough matchup where he's just like, yep, they're going to do this at yeah. this exact moment. Like, that might be a tough thing to, to overcome, especially since, I mean, I mean, I'm sure Bednar knows Greg Cronin and what he likes to True. do. I don't think he's entirely worried about a lot of his systems a lot of time. They probably end up running the same things most of the time anyway. But I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, if we were playing the Ducks in the middle of their winning streak, I'd be a little more worried about it. But since they've cooled off a little lately, this is going to be a game where if the Avs play lackadaisical defense, they're going to give up six. The Ducks yes. have scorers now. They have talented players like Mason McTavish, like Troy Terry. Uh, Trevor Zegers recently on IR, so they will not have to worry about him in this game. Not that he's been very good regardless so far this season. But the Ducks, they, they've they got some talent this year. They're playing with a little bit of swagger where it's like it can't possibly be worse than last year. So why are we so pent up all the time? That's kind of the the attitude that they're playing with right now. I mean, and Frank Vitrano has 11 goals. That is ridiculous for him. That's just absolutely hilarious. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Avs, they're, they're going to have to be on their guard defensively. I think they're going to win it. I, I think they do it in regulation. I like the 4-3 to three prediction. Honestly, I think they just do it in regulation, and they're going to have another strong third period that uh, a young Ducks team's not going to be able to match. No, no. So I, I think this game's just closer than we want it to be. Yeah. That's honestly where I'm at. And I, I do think they get it done. The Avs yeah. get it done. I think I think it's going to be a fun game. The Ducks are in that territory this season where they're fun, and if you give them space, they're going to score a lot. But if you play Av-style hockey, they're not experienced enough to overcome that. Yeah, I, I don't think so. It's going to be a close game. I, I want the Avs to blow them out, but I just I don't think they do. No. Not really. I mean, the, the Ducks, like Greg Cronin's, he's he's done a lot of good for them, even in their losses this season. Like they've they have not been blown out this season. The closest they've come, they lost six three to Philly. Even then, three goal loss. No, like no one's gonna raise an eyebrow over that. I don't think the Avs are gonna blow them out. But it is important to note, and I did not realize this until like a few hours ago. The Ducks will be on the second half of the back to back. They're playing Nashville tonight. Oh, in Nashville. And then they're coming to Colorado to play them 24 hours later. I did not know that until a few hours ago. So I still think it's going to be the kind of thing where the Ducks are going to play really hard. But the third period where the Avs have been really good, they're going to be out of gas. And the Avs are maybe going to pull away with this. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I think this game's going to be a lot closer than we want it to be. I think it's going to be closer than we're comfortable with. But with where we're at right now, I, I don't think we can be super picky. I just want to start a nice little win streak. And going to Dallas with some confidence. Yeah. Oh God, that Dallas game is going to be fun. We'll yeah. save that one for for Friday's episode. Yeah. But that game is kind of looming large ever since this morning. Honestly. Yeah. Well, ever since like ten minutes ago when you told me to play the Stars on yeah. Saturday. 
in the stars they're going to be rested coming into that game they're playing tonight yesterday by the time we're listening to this they're playing the coyotes who they generally have their way with and the abs last game will be wednesday so both teams will be well rested there's not going to be many excuses for either one coming into that game and it's in dallas all right, that'll be a fun one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, yeah, we'll save that one. Uh, I'm shitting my pants a little bit about that game, especially since it's on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much it for Avs news. Well, not uh, Avs news, just for the games. Generally. Yeah, just for the games. Oh, yeah, go 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 in deeper with the Avs news because there's one big thing. Yeah, I mentioned we'd talk more about LTIR. And the, the shoe I think that we were kind of all expecting to drop for the last little bit is officially official now. Uh, Paolo Francois will miss the remainder of the season with uh, the injury that's been kind of plaguing him for the last little while. Kept him out to start the season. It never sounded good. There mm-hmm. never really sounded to be any sort of optimism that this would be something that he could come back from. The second this kind of got rumored in the preseason that he's not going to be ready, it never got better where it was just like, oh, he's going to be ready for opening night. It just, it kept getting worse. And for Frankie, this is probably the end for him in Colorado at very least could realistically be the end of his career. And that sucks because this is a guy who, when he was healthy and playing one of the best backups in the league. And if he had a little more luck, probably could have been a starter somewhere if he played his cards right. You put it perfectly. He he was the definition of a great backup goalie. And he'll always have that wonder because he showed that he could compete at the NHL level at a very high level. His body could compete at the NHL level. He he was a very good goalie, just ravaged by injuries. It just, I don't know, man. It, it's it's a tough pill to swallow, even though I kind of we already knew it was going to happen. Like we right. we both like when they said like there's no timetable on his return, the writing was kind of on the wall already. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just seeing the actual announcement still broke my heart. Yeah, it's like you you're holding a little bit of optimism, but once Bednar said when I have a timetable, I'll consider him coming back. Like Bednar had gotten nothing on him at that point. I was like, he's not coming back this season. And this is a guy who's played 73 games with the Abs already missed an entire season before this as well as is not the first time we've had this happen but at the end of the day it's still just a damn shame and i hope the lasting memory of frankie in colorado is game two against edmonton western conference final kemper's unavailable he goes in and pitches a shutout in game two and then goes on to do enough to help the avs sweep that series and go on to win the cup the abs don't win a Stanley cup without Pablo Francis. No, if Frankie was not up to the task in that final, they're going up against the Oilers. Like yeah. you, you can't have a goalie who's not up to the task. Do the abs still win that series? Probably. Maybe, maybe, but there were some close games in that series that if you have your goalie slipping a little bit, it's not going to go well for you. Not going well. And I still believe in my heart of hearts that the abs had a chance to win the cup in the, the bubble year. If Frankie doesn't get hurt too. Yeah. I, I, I really do. I really do. As well. and, kind of his entire tenure is just yeah with Frankie. But he, I love the videos I've been coming out of him with uh like there's that one with Gabe after they win the cup and he's just you're the best fucking captain on planet earth. Like Frankie was beloved and he his NHL career may be coming to an end, but he also kind of lived the dream um that 
he won a Stanley Cup. He was a contributing factor. Like he kind of got to live the NHL player's dream. It wasn't yeah. as long as I assume he imagined it would be, but hey, we'll take it. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy for a long time who who fought his way to the NHL, spent a bunch of years in the KHL, and then finally comes to America to play in the NHL. And in his first two games was a 943. We all remember Frankie Mania back when he first made his first couple starts with the team. And then the next year comes in a lot more for Philip Krubauer in the bubble year, plays 34, has to come in in the bubble, doesn't play very well in those games, and then gets hurt. And that injury never really got never got never got better i mean if if i remember right it was a hip surgery he had to have double hip surgery which as we've learned in hockey your hips are very important yeah Um, and for a goalie that's your entire range of motion the fact that frankie came back and was still good after having such significant hip surgery like was still had to miss the entire season after that to be fair but comes back and still posts a 916 in the regular season and then coming in in the playoffs and doing what he did it's it's just really unfortunate that that is an incredibly talented goalie who only played 86 games in the NHL, including playoffs, but made every single one of them count. Yep. He was a very good goalie and it's tough. I, I hope to see him back in the NHL. I don't think he will be. I imagine he, he'll probably just play out the last like couple of years in the check because what else does he have to accomplish in the NHL? Uh, but Good for good for Frankie. Big time bummer, and yeah, we'll we'll miss him. He he just seemed like the coolest dude in the locker room yeah. and just super friendly. But uh, yeah, that's a tough tough pill to swallow. But at least we know now. We we know. Yeah, I mean, we kind of had our suspicions the whole time. Of course, that the Avs are going to have to figure out this this backup goalie thing if Frankie's not going to be available, but. Like you said, you know now, and you have your options in Prozvatov and Ananin. If you're not comfortable with either of them, you know you can make a move now. You've got the extra $2 million bucks to spend on a goalie if you feel you need it. Uh, it's just sucks. You yeah. Know, really, really talented guy. Really nice guy. I, I hope he can find his way back to the NHL eventually, even if it's not with us. But ultimately, I just long-term want him to live without pain. The guys want a cup. The guy has gotten some some pretty nice backup goalie contracts, made a few million bucks. At the end of the day, I just wanted to live happy. and not yeah. suffer. Was it JJ when he came on and said Frankie was the craziest partier after they won the cup? I, I hope I hope he partied his face off. He deserved Yeah, it. I think he did. Good dude. Uh, it's a big time bummer, but it's like you said, the Avs now have two million dollars to play with in LTIR, and he's expiring. Uh, it's just. Will he go down as probably the best backup goalie the Avs have ever had? He'll kind of go down as like a little urban folklore. I yeah, <laughs> you remember Pablo Franzos? Yeah, yeah like, it's, it's really hard to say that after 73 regular season games. Yeah. Because when he was available, him and Georgiev and Kemper and Grubauer were kind of interchangeable. You could just yeah. kind of throw him in, and you rarely ever got a drop-off. He was playing starter quality every time he went into the net. What but, was his last game for the Avs? Please tell me it was a win. I'd have to look through. I'm going to look it up. Keep talking. I'm, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. But I really hope it was a win and it wasn't a shitty game for him. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember. It would have had to have been in, like, that stretch of January, I imagine, right? 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm that's what I'm trying to, to think of because I can't even find him on the Dude, fuck this the new board. NHL website, bro. I hate it so much. All right. I think I think I can get it. Yeah, I got it. So his last game was April 9th against the Ducks. He won. He made 23 saves, allowed four goals and 826. 826. I mean, I mean if only his last game could have been the one at, well, maybe not the Pittsburgh run because he lost an OT, but he was spectacular in that game. He had a 947, 38 saves. Yeah, just such a shame, right? When you look at this whole thing, because he started that season really well. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hate this new NHL website, bro. It's, I it's so unbelievable. This is like the fourth rant we've gone on. on yeah. It. Just like the the little things of it, like the stat trackers suck now. When you click someone's name on the NHL app, it doesn't open in the app anymore. It takes you to the NHL website, and they got rid of the what was it called? Like the momentum tracker. What was that little thing called? Oh, game I have flow? no idea. Dude. Was it game? I think it was game flow. They got rid of that in the app too. It's just it's such a noticeable downgrade and lazy. Like I don't want to go on another fifth. Yeah, we don't need to go on it. But yeah, man, like he he was good. Like like you're right. That's last season before he got hurt. He was pretty solid. Yeah, a couple games weren't great, but he was like that game against the Hurricanes that he had early in the season last season was phenomenal. Both of those games, he played both of those games, and he was combined a nine fifty nine. Can I can do that? Pretty good. I can do that math because he was a nine sixty and a nine fifty eight. Pretty easy to work that out. Yeah, he he was good. I mean, he was 16 games played, eight wins, one shutout, 2.61 goals against, and a 915 save percentage. Yeah, it's a, it's just a shame. I, I hope it doesn't end this way, but I'm not, much like Gabe, I'm not going to get any of my hopes up for anything in the future right now. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but Frankie, may you enjoy whatever you do with your life after this because you kick ass, man. And uh it was nice to see like everyone on Twitter just being like, damn, this sucks. But Frankie, you kicked ass. Like it was, he was one of the more beloved players by abs fans. Yeah. Nothing to not love about Frankie at the yeah. end of the day. And we wish him the best into his future, whether it is coming back and playing hockey again, or whether it's just living the rest of his life comfortably as a Stanley cup champion. I yep. hope he, just, he lives his best life from here on. Agreed. But yeah, I mean, we could look around the NHL a little bit. Obviously, the big news, uh, the Edmonton Oilers pull the trigger on firing Jay Woodcroft and hire Edmonton or Connor McDavid's old junior coach, Chris Connablock. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Connablock, and then they hired Paul Coffey as his bench boss. Which is the most Oilers thing of all time. To You hire McDavid's old coach, and then you put in alumni with no experience behind the bench. Yeah, yeah, very Edmonton. Edmonton. Did you watch the press conference with Ken Holland? That dude is so smug, and it's just like, bro, you caused this. You built this team. You signed Jack Campbell. You gave Jay Woodcroft a terrible goaltending duo, but he's the one who loses his job, not you. Right. Like, I just watched Ken Holland up there. I'm like, you are the biggest douche of all time. How how many coaches does Ken Holland get? Like he's on what? Is this number four with the Oilers? I, th- I believe this is his third coach now. I, I, I was he around when McClellan was there? I think so. I don't know. No, I thought that I'm, was Shirelli. That might be Shirelli. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on on my my timelines at this point, but even still, I just don't understand how this guy has his job. I mean, Woodcroft lost his job because Ken Holland built a bad team. 
Correct. Did not, did not fix his goaltending, did not have depth. And my favorite thing about it is that Ken Holland and the rest of the people in the press conference above him were not at all on the same page about what happened. Like some of them were saying that McDavid was consulted and others weren't. And like when they made this decision and when they like, they all had different stories. It's Here's the thing. Most... If you're not consulting Connor McDavid on this, that's stupid uh, yeah. because yeah, he's your franchise. And like, there is a very real possibility that Connor McDavid leaves in the next three years, Edmonton. Yeah. I mean, and that'll go down as the biggest failure of an organization. Like, can you think of another organization that's had four number one overall picks, had the greatest player since Wayne Gretzky, or I mean, Sidney Crosby is probably a little bit better since Sidney Crosby, and you won jack shit with him? Yeah. They made it to the conference finals, and their biggest accomplishment is they can say that they got calls against them. You know, and they lost to the Stanley Cup champion two straight yeah. years. They got robbed, obviously, in all four games, clearly. You know, Correct. They Correct. clearly were not completely outmatched by a better team. And like that was my problem with the Oilers for the last couple of seasons. Like, there's no reason why we should be like mopping the floor with you. You should absolutely be an equal at very least with McDavid. And it's not like McDavid and Drysaddle are making a shit ton of money either. Like they're actually on very team friendly deals at this point. Yeah, I mean, Connor McDavid at 12 and a half is ridiculous. Dreisaitl is on a team-friendly deal at yes. $8 million or whatever. The fact but, that you can't build a competent hockey team around that, you, you should be sent to a retirement home, Ken Holland. Let's look at some of Ken Holland's greatest achievements with the Oilers. Sign Darnell Nurse to more money than what Kale McCarr makes. Yeah. Darnell Nurse is a fine defenseman. He's not, fine. Not 9.25. Not, not 9.25. You signed Jack Campbell to that 5x5, five five, or was it 4x5? It was Five by five, I want to say. Five by five. He's currently in the AHL allowing hilarious goals. Um, Stuart Skinner is okay, but he's still like a pretty young goaltender. I imagine he would have been good, but now he's going to get just fed to the wolf these next couple of years. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a good player. He's actually on a pretty good friendly deal. And then you sign Evander Kane, who has like a two-year lifespan with every team he plays for. And you signed him for five years. Yep, he's still got three years left. I mean, he signed Zach Cassian to that bloated four-year deal and then had to pay to dump him. He signed Tyson Berry to that three-year contract and then had to get rid of him eventually. And then they gave Yamamoto $3 million. I forgot they gave him that much money. Yeah, bought him out. Bought him out for nothing. And have built a complete failure of a team around these two. Sam yeah. Gagne is playing on the top line right now. I mean, Hey, he's been good, man. Good for Sam Gagne. Yeah. Puck Doku God right there, Sam Gagne. He's so good. Oh, yeah. Puck Doku, at least he's good for something. Yeah, but it, it's – I feel bad. I, I don't know. Jay Woodcroft was also just not great with the media, and I think that kind of cost him. But, uh, yeah, it's new times in Edmonton. They won last night against the Islanders. Yeah. Um, McDavid hasn't been great this year. Most of these have been hurt. Yeah. So that's kind of stunk. But I, I really do think there's a real possibility that Connor McDavid will not sign another contract in Edmonton. I mean, they, they got two seasons left after this. If they don't make the playoffs this year, what reason would Connor McDavid have to be like, yeah, I'll give you another chance? Yeah. Yeah. I just hope McDavid, when he if he leaves Edmonton, just goes to like a cool city that I just don't have to worry about. It's it's just this what is- if he went to Toronto? That'd be insufferable. That would be so annoying. That team would score so many goals, but they have no defense. That's a future how, thing. I don't even know how you could afford to pay Matthews and McDavid. 
I don't think you could, but I, I do think there's a real possibility that if the Oilers don't turn it around and next year doesn't start off great, Dreisaitl could get moved at the deadline. Yeah. Could I, you I, imagine I, the package for Dreisaitl? This whole thing is the Oilers are a failure. Yeah. they. I don't understand how it's so hard to build a consistently good team. Yeah. I just I, – I don't either. The Avs have been able to do it, and they're paying the – Pretty much the same salaries to guys, but even inflated a little bit more with Miko. Like they they found a way to be competitive and have quality goaltending. So shout out the Oilers. They've won a game. Sorry, Jay Woodcroft, you got fired. But yeah, they're they're a dumpster fire right now. There was one more thing I wanted to talk about in the hockey world. It's not in the NHL. Did you see what happened in the PWHL? The professional women's hockey league? So their inaugural season. None of the teams have logos and their jerseys are the most boring things ever because they oh, yes. didn't they didn't come up with logos. Yeah, that like, I, I thought that. Like what are you doing, man? I thought like, you have one job. <laughs> it's one right? job. You didn't come up with jerseys or logos. I, I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, like I didn't either. That, that, that just was like, what what what's going on here, guys? What what are we doing here? <laughs> like this just makes Zero sense. I don't know. Like it's it's just rough marketing for a league that's trying to get off the ground right now, and that everyone wants to see succeed. You can't create a logo. You can't make better jerseys other than these bland cookie cutter colors. Yeah, it, it's just it's it's bad. It's bad. Like I don't know how they didn't come up with anything. <laughs> like, it's a very bad first impression to set that you didn't come up with anything unique or original for your jerseys to make you stand out. Like these look like practice jerseys. Yeah. They look like beer league jerseys. Yeah. So and get it together, PWHL. Cause I've actually like for what was the game last year, the championship game. It was the Isabel cup. It was actually like good hockey. There were good games. I forget who was playing in it, but there were good games. So the products there, I'll watch hockey. I don't care what type of hockey. I watch the juniors. I watch all this shit, man. Like just give me hockey and I'll watch it. But it's just, come on. Like jerseys are where you make your money. So it's just such a simple thing. I don't understand how there's not enough effort put into that. That's the first right. thing people see. And they have a pretty big ESPN contract. Yeah. Like it's not so, like they're short on short on change. So even if you are, you can get a graphic designer and make some right. jerseys. Right. You can go on like word art in word right. and probably come up with something better. It'd be better if you had shitty logos than no logos. Yeah. Like at but, least something that makes you stand out. What what are your thoughts on this? Because I know they do this in like the like soccer when the like the FC Barcelona's they just use the same logo for the women's teams and just have the women's jersey name like just if you're Toronto just be the Maple Leafs too or like I mean, the Leafs. I mean I don't really know how any of that works in soccer. Yeah, I don't know. I, Maybe I, there's I, trademark. I imagine shit. there would be a a pretty significant trademark thing for a team affiliated with the Leafs to call themselves the Leafs, but yeah, true. True. I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, just spitballing. But they, yeah, come on, PWHL. They, they clearly didn't. They clearly did not do any spitballing. They missed the deadline and went. Uh, yeah, those are city. That's colors, good. I guess. That's good. Yeah. They went to one hockey jersey store and they're like, "Hey, can you just put Toronto diagonally yeah. across the jersey? Just put Toronto in there. Yeah. Can we get all? Can we can we get every jersey to have the the diagonal text? Yeah. Too? So you can everything all jerseys apart by the color. No. Yeah. Just, don't like it. Just like bad. It. But. I'm trying to think anything else NHL wise you want to talk about before we wrap up the show. No, I, I think we're all set. 
on this one. I mean, obviously we could go for another hour like Probably. we always do, but I think this is a good spot as any to wrap up. Yeah, agreed. Shout out. Happy birthday, my dad. Turned the big 5-5 five five today. He's listening, so shout out, Pops. Happy birthday. Shout out. But I think this is a good spot as any to end this episode. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs. Go abs.